This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of shoulder exam from the shoulder and elbow section on orthobullets.com. As a quick introduction, this topic will be broken down into inspection, palpation, range of motion, stability, neurovascular, and provocative tests. Starting with inspection, it's important to compare both shoulders with respect to skin, scars, symmetry, swelling, atrophy, hypertrophy, and scapular wane. Moving on to palpation, all bony prominences should be palpated, including the cervical spinous processes, the sternoclavicular joint, the clavicle, the acromioclavicular joint, the acromion, the coracoid process, and the scapular spine. The muscles and soft tissues should also be palpated, including the paraspinal muscles, the periscapular region, the deltoid, rotator cuff tendon insertion slash greater tuberosity, and the long head of the biceps tendon in the groove. Moving on to range of motion, on exam you should test cervical spine range of motion and shoulder range of motion. Cervical spine range of motion includes flexion, extension, lateral flexion, and rotation. In terms of shoulder range of motion, compare active and passive range of motion on both sides. Normal values should be considered relative to the contralateral side as patient flexibility may vary. Six planes of motion should be examined and documented. Forward elevation, where 180 degrees is considered normal. Abduction, which should be performed with the scapula stabilized by the examiner's hand. And keep in mind, normal is 90 with the scapula stabilized. External rotation at 90 degrees of abduction. External rotation at the side, where 80 degrees is considered normal. Internal rotation to vertebral height, where T4 to T8 is considered normal. And internal rotation at 90 degrees of abduction. Moving on to the neurovascular exam, in terms of sensation, check all dermatomes along the C4 to T1 distribution. In terms of the motor examination, let's go over the different nerve roots, their corresponding primary motion, the tested muscles, and any associated reflex. So starting with C4, the primary motion is scapular stabilization, and tested muscles include the upper portion of the serratus anterior. However, there is significant variation in innervation, and this is rarely tested clinically. Moving on to C5, primary motion includes shoulder abduction and elbow flexion with the palm up. Tested muscles include the deltoid and the biceps, and the reflex tested is the biceps reflex. Next, let's talk about C6, where primary motion includes elbow flexion with the thumb up and wrist extension. Tested muscles include the brachioradialis and the ECRL, and the reflex is the brachioradialis reflex. Moving on to C7, the primary motion is elbow extension and wrist flexion. Tested muscles include the triceps and the FCR, and the reflex includes the triceps reflex. Moving on to C8, the primary motion is finger flexion, hand grip, and thumb extension. Tested muscles include the FDS. And finally, moving on to T1, the primary motion is finger abduction, and the tested muscles include the interossei, which are innervated by the ulnar nerve. Now let's talk about provocative tests for impingement. The near impingement sign is indicative of impingement of rotator cuff tendon slash bursa against the coracoacromial arch. Other abnormalities can produce a positive test including stiffness, osteoarthritis, instability, and or bone lesions. In terms of the technique for the near impingement sign, use one hand to prevent motion of the scapula. Raise the arm of the patient with the other hand in forced elevation somewhere between flexion and abduction. Pain is elicited, making it a positive test, as the greater tuberosity impinges against the acromion between 70 to 110 degrees. 
note that you must have full range of motion for a positive finding. The near impingement sign has a sensitivity of 75 to 86% and a specificity of 50%. The near impingement test is positive when there is marked reduction in pain from the impingement maneuver that we just described following a subacromial lidocaine injection. In terms of the technique, this usually involves a combination of 4 cc's of 1% lidocaine, 4 cc's of 0.5% bupivacaine or marcaine, and 2 cc's of corticosteroid. Moving on to the Hawkins test, this technique is performed by flexing the shoulder to 90 degrees, flexing the elbow to 90 degrees, and forcibly internally rotating, driving the greater tuberosity farther under the coracoacromial ligament. The Hawkins test has a sensitivity of 75 to 92%, and a specificity of 45%. In terms of provocative tests for internal impingement, the technique involves abducting the affected side to 90 degrees and maximally externally rotating with extension, which as a throwing position is the late cocking phase. If this maneuver reproduces pain experienced during throwing, which is posteriorly located, this is considered a positive impingement test. This can also be confirmed with external rotation with the elbow in front of the plane of the body and the pain disappears. Moving on to provocative tests for rotator cuff pathology, let's start with subscapularis tests. So in terms of subscapularis strength, be sure that you do not test with isolated internal rotation strength with the arm at the side due to contribution of the pectoralis major and latissimus dorsi. Moving on to the internal rotation lag sign, this is the most sensitive and specific test for subscapularis pathology. In terms of the technique, you will stand behind the patient, flex the elbow to 90 degrees, hold the shoulder at 20 degrees elevation and 20 degrees extension. You will then internally rotate the shoulder to near maximum, holding the wrist by passively lifting the dorsum of the hand away from the lumbar spine. Then supporting the elbow, tell the patient to maintain position and release the wrist while looking for a lag. Moving on to increased passive external rotation. So a person with a subscapularis tear may have increased passive external rotation when compared to the contralateral side. Now let's talk about the liftoff test. This technique involves the hand being brought around the back to the region of the lumbar spine with the palm facing outward. Test the patient's ability to lift the hand away from the back or internal rotation. Inability to do this indicates subscapularis pathology. However, keep in mind this is confounded by other muscles. So it's more accurate if the tested hand can reach the contralateral scapula. And it's also more accurate for the inferior portion of the subscapularis. Moving on to the belly press test, this involves the patient pressing the abdomen with the palm of the hand, maintaining the shoulder in internal rotation. If the elbow drops back, meaning it does not remain in front of the trunk, the test is positive for subscapularis weakness, and remember is more accurate for the superior portion of the subscapularis. The bear hug test is when the patient places the ipsilateral palm on the opposite deltoid and tries to resist the examiner pulling it away anteriorly. This test is positive if it's at least 20% weaker than the contralateral side. Now let's talk about supraspinatus tests. Starting with supraspinatus strength, this is assessed using Job's test, where pain with this test is indicative of a subacromial bursitis slash irritation, not necessarily a tear. This is only considered positive for a tear with a true drop arm. For example, the arm is brought to 90 degrees and literally falls down. Job's test, as we mentioned, tests for supraspinatus weakness and or impingement. The technique involves abducting the arm to 90 degrees then angling forward 30 degrees, bringing it into the scapular plane, and internally rotating with the thumb pointing to the floor. Then press down on the arm while the patient attempts to maintain the position, testing for weakness or pain. 
Finally, the drop sign tests for function slash integrity of the supraspinatus. The technique involves passively elevating the arm in the scapular plane to 90 degrees, then ask the patient to slowly lower the arm. The test is positive when weakness or pain causes them to drop the arm to their side. The drop sign is the most specific test for a full thickness rotator cuff tear, with a specificity of 98%. Now let's talk about the infraspinatus. Infraspinatus strength is tested with the patient's elbow in 90 degrees of flexion, the arm at the side, and internally rotated 45 degrees. External rotation strength can be checked against resistance by the examiner. Finally, the external rotation lag sign is another test for the infraspinatus, where you will passively flex the elbow to 90 degrees, holding the wrist to rotate the shoulder to maximal external rotation. Tell the patient to hold the arm in that externally rotated position. If the arm starts to drift into internal rotation, it is positive. Moving on to the teres minor, in terms of teres minor strength, external rotation is tested with the arm held in 90 degrees of abduction. The hornblower sign is when you bring the shoulder to 90 degrees of abduction, 90 degrees of external rotation, and ask the patient to hold this position. The test is positive if the arm falls into internal rotation. Moving on to the pectoralis, the exam test to know is axillary webbing, and this specifically means looking for a defect in the normal axillary fold. A deformity may be indicative of a pectoralis major muscle rupture. Now let's talk about provocative tests for labral injuries and slap lesions. So an active compression test, also known as O'Brien's test, is positive for a slap tear when the pain is, quote, deep in the glenohumeral joint while the forearm is pronated, but not when the forearm is supinated. This technique involves the patient forward flexing the affected arm to 90 degrees while keeping the elbow fully extended. The arm is then adducted 10 to 15 degrees across the body. The patient then pronates the forearm so the thumb is pointing down. The examiner applies downward force to the wrist while the arm is in this position while the patient resists. The patient then supinates the forearm so the palm is up and the examiner once again applies force to the wrist while the patient resists. The crank test is positive when there is clicking or pain in the glenohumeral joint. The technique involves holding the patient's arm in an abducted position and applying passive rotation and axial rotation. Now let's talk about provocative tests for biceps injuries. So the bicipital groove tenderness may be present with any condition that could lead to an inflamed long head biceps tendon and a slap lesion. Speed's test is positive when there is pain elicited in the bicipital groove. The technique involves the patient attempting to forward elevate their shoulder against resistance while they keep their elbow extended and the forearm supinated. Jurgensen's sign is positive when there is pain in the bicipital groove. The technique involves the elbow flex to 90 degrees with the forearm pronated. The examiner holds the hand slash wrist to maintain pronated position while the patient attempts to actively supinate against this resistance. If there is pain located along the bicipital groove, the test is positive for biceps tendon pathology. Finally, the Popeye sign is present when there is a large bump in the area of the biceps muscle belly. This is consistent with the long head of the biceps proximal tendon rupture. Now let's talk about provocative tests for AC joint pathology. So in terms of acromioclavicular joint tenderness, this is tenderness with palpation of the acromioclavicular joint. Cross-body adduction is positive when there's pain in the AC joint. The technique involves the patient forward elevating the arm to 90 degrees and actively adducting the arm across the body. O'Brien's test, or the active compression test, is positive when there is pain, quote, superficial over the AC joint while the forearm is pronated, but not when the forearm is supinated. 
The technique involves the patient forward flexing the affected arm to 90 degrees while keeping the elbow fully extended. The arm is then adducted 10 to 15 degrees across the body. The patient then pronates the forearm so the thumb is pointing down. The examiner applies downward force to the wrist while the arm is in this position while the patient resists. The patient then supinates the forearm so the palm is up and the examiner once again applies force to the wrist while the patient resists. Now let's talk about provocative tests for instability. So grading of translation of the humeral head is one plus when there's translation to the glenoid rim, two plus when translation is over the glenoid rim but reduces, and three plus when it translates and locks out of the glenoid. So now let's talk about anterior stability, posterior instability, and multidirectional instability. So starting with anterior stability, the anterior load and shift test is positive when there's increased translation compared to the contralateral side. The technique involves having the patient lie supine with the shoulder at 40 to 60 degrees of abduction and forward flexion. Axially load the humerus into the glenoid fossa and apply anterior translation forces, and then compare to the contralateral side. In terms of the apprehension and relocation test, this is a positive test if the patient experiences the sensation of instability. The technique involves having the patient lie supine, and an apprehension test is performed by bringing the arm in 90 degrees of abduction and full external rotation, and then the patient experiences a sense of instability. The relocation test is performed by placing the examiner's hand on the humeral head, applying a posterior force on the humeral head. The patient will experience reduction or elimination of a sense of instability. An anterior release test is positive if the patient experiences instability when the examiner's hand is released. The technique involves having the patient lie supine, then the examiner places a hand on the humeral head to keep it reduced as the arm is brought into abduction slash external rotation. The examiner's hand is removed and the humeral head subluxates, causing a sense of instability. Note that a positive anterior release is really a three-in-one test, so if it's positive, apprehension and relocation are also positive. Finally, the anterior drawer test is positive if there is a sense of instability when compared to the contralateral side. The technique involves stabilizing the scapula and applying an anteriorly directed force against the humeral head with the contralateral hand. Note that this test is graded 1+, 2+, and 3+, but this only documents the amount of laxity, which is not pathologic unless it causes symptoms. Moving on to posterior instability, the posterior load and shift test is positive if there is an increased translation compared to the contralateral side. The technique involves lying the patient supine with the shoulder in 40 to 60 degrees of abduction and forward elevation. Load the humerus into the glenoid fossa with an axial load and apply posterior forces to the humeral head. Compare the amount of translation with the contralateral side. The jerk test is positive if there is a clunk or pain with the maneuver. The technique involves having the patient sit straight up with the arm forward elevated to 90 degrees and internally rotated to 90 degrees. Apply an axial load to the humerus to push it posteriorly. A posterior drawer test is positive if there is increased translation when compared to the contralateral side. The technique involves stabilizing the scapula and applying a posteriorly directed force against the humeral head with the contralateral hand. A posterior stress test is positive if there is pain and a sense of instability with the maneuver. The technique involves placing the patient's arm in flexion, adduction, and internal rotation and applying a posteriorly directed force. Finally, loss of external rotation involves a shoulder that is locked in internal rotation that may be subluxated posteriorly. Now let's talk about multidirectional instability. The sulcus sign involves having the patient stand relaxed with their arms at their side. 
grab their affected arm and pull it inferiorly. If there is a sulcus that forms at the superior aspect of the humeral head, the test is positive. Sulcus is considered positive if it stays increased, that is 2 plus or 3 plus, with external rotation at the side. This is known as a pathologic rotator interval. So in terms of sulcus grading, 1 plus is an acromiohumeral interval of less than 1 centimeter, 2 plus is a chromiohumeral interval of 1 to 2 centimeters, and 3 plus is a chromiohumeral interval of greater than 2 centimeters. Now let's finish this review session talking about some other provocative tests. We'll talk about Wright's test, medial scapular winging, and lateral scapular winging. So Wright's test is a test for thoracic outlet syndrome, and is positive if the patient loses their radial pulse. The technique involves passively externally rotating and abducting the patient's arm while having the patient turn their neck away from the tested extremity. Moving on to medial scapular winging, this is a test for serratus anterior weakness or long thoracic nerve dysfunction. This is positive if the inferior border of the scapula migrates medially. The technique involves the patient while standing, having them forward flex their arm to 90 degrees and pushing against a wall or another stationary object. Finally, moving on to lateral scapular winging, the test is for trapezius weakness or spinal accessory nerve or cranial nerve 11 dysfunction. The test is positive if the inferior border of the scapula migrates laterally. The technique involves the patient standing and having them forward flanks to 90 degrees and pushing against a wall or another stationary object. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few quick questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, a patient sustains a full thickness tear of their teres minor. Which of the following tests slash signs would most likely be positive in this patient? And the choices are one, Job's test, two, belly press test, three, internal rotation lag sign, four, hornblower sign, and five, Hawkins sign. So the correct answer to this question is four, hornblower sign. So Hornblower's test is completed by asking the patient to hold their shoulder in 90 degrees of abduction and 90 degrees of external rotation. The test is positive if the arm falls into internal rotation or they are unable to actively externally rotate against resistance. This suggests teres minor pathology. There are various tests slash signs used by clinicians to detect rotator cuff pathology. The teres minor is innervated by the axillary nerve and functions to externally rotate the humerus. The Hornblower's test slash sign has various descriptions, but all act to determine external rotation weakness. In addition to being sensitive and specific for teres minor pathology, it can also be positive with posterior supraspinatus tears. Walsh et al. review 54 patients that underwent repair of combined supraspinatus and infraspinatus rotator cuff tears. They found that the Hornblower sign was highly sensitive and specific for irreparable degeneration of the teres minor, while the dropping sign was highly sensitive and specific for irreparable degeneration of the infraspinatus. Hertel et al. prospectively review 100 patients with painful shoulders and impingement syndrome. They compared various lag signs, like the external rotation lag sign and the internal rotation lag sign, as well as the drop sign, to the job and liftoff signs. The external rotation lag sign was less sensitive but more specific than the job sign for supraspinatus slash infraspinatus. The drop sign was the least sensitive but was as specific as the external rotation lag sign. The internal rotation lag sign was as specific but more sensitive than the liftoff sign for subscapularis tears. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, Job's test is for supraspinatus weakness and or impingement. 
Answer two, the belly press test is positive with subscapularis pathology. Answer three, the internal rotation lag sign is both sensitive and specific for subscapularis pathology. And answer five, Hawkins sign is positive in patients with impingement. And moving on to the final question, with the arm abducted 90 degrees and fully externally rotated, which of the following glenohumeral ligaments resists anterior translation of the humerus? And the choices are one, coracohumeral, two, superior glenohumeral, three, middle glenohumeral, four, anterior band of the inferior glenohumeral ligament complex, and five, posterior band of the inferior glenohumeral ligament complex. The correct answer to this question is four, anterior band of the inferior glenohumeral ligament complex. With the arm in the abducted, externally rotated position, the anterior band of the inferior glenohumeral ligament complex moves anteriorly, preventing anterior humeral head translation. Both the coracohumeral ligament and the superior glenohumeral ligament restrain the humeral head to inferior translation of the adducted arm and to external rotation in the adducted position. The middle glenohumeral ligament is a primary stabilizer to anterior translation with the arm abducted to 45 degrees. The posterior band of the inferior glenohumeral ligament complex resists posterior translation of the humeral head when the arm is internally rotated. That's all for this review about the shoulder exam. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.